0: Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. Hi, everyone. This is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds. And I'm excited today to welcome two guests to our show, from GovExec, we have Troy Schneider, who is the um, general manager for government technology brands at GovExec. And then also James Hansen, group publisher, federal and technology. Welcome you two.
1: Hello. Good morning.
0: Good. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Excited to have you.
1: Very happy to be here.
0: Let's go ahead and kick it off. Just um, each of you maybe go over a quick overview of your background and then your roles at GovExec. And we can kind of start from there.
1: Sure. James, you want to go first?
2: Absolutely. Happy to. Uh, And thank you for uh, having us on. Uh, So my background, I went to school for broadcast journalism, like all kids who love to play sports but didn't have what it took to get to the big leagues. I thought ESPN was uh, my next uh, best option. Um, so my first job out of school was at Army Times Publishing, uh, company now, Sightline Media Group, as a reporter. Uh, and I got kind of recruited to the marketing sales side of the business where I ran our trade shows and then managed uh, international sales for defense news uh, for a number of years. Um, then I went uh, and spent more than a decade at Conley Works, which is a small woman-owned PR marketing event services company serving companies, uh, other companies in the public sector technology space. Um, Today, as you mentioned, I am the group publisher of federal and technology markets at uh, GovExec. Um, And in that role, I'm responsible for revenue growth across our federal defense and technology brands. Uh, I help companies, uh, our customers, build go-to-market strategy and integrated campaigns to grow their business um, and inform on trends that serve our government audience.
1: Great, and uh, I'm also a J School grad. Uh, I went to Indiana University for Journalism and Business uh, many years ago. And my first job in, uh, after graduation was with National Journal uh, here in DC, uh, which was also the home to GovExec at that time. Uh, now GovExec at, um, at that point was a, um, a monthly print magazine that hadn't sort of delved into digital um, or events yet. So we've all done a lot of evolving over the years. But I spent a 13, 14 years with National Journal and Atlantic Media, then I left uh, left publishing for a while and went to the, um, to the nonprofit space. I was with, uh, the think tank, new America for seven or eight years. And then I was recruited by FCW to come in and, and be their editor. And, and that's a role that I, that I still hold, um, but over the last nine plus years with, uh, with FCW, I <clears throat> um, got involved with GCN, uh, sister publication, and then eventually into, um, into running the government business unit. And then as you know, this uh, late this summer, uh, government executive uh, or gov exec bought the, um, the Public Sector 360 business unit from 1105 Media. So FCW, GCN, Washington Technology, and Defense Systems all came over and became part of the GovExec family in September. And, mm-hmm. and in my role there, I am uh, <coughs> sort of overseeing those Public Sector 360 brands and working on the, on the sort of integration of how we get all of the great publications and great editorial brands of GovExec uh, you know, properly positioned and working together.
0: That's great. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit later, too, because I'd love to hear about how they all work together. Um, But what makes GovExec different from other publications right now?
2: I'd say the first thing that comes to mind is our people and talent. Um, There's a lot of talent across our market, but through our growth and transformation over the past 18 months, um, we've had the pleasure of bringing on a ton of smart, creative and innovative leaders and future leaders. Troy is a perfect example of that. Uh, Aaron Heffron, uh, president of Market Connections, now leads our entire resource portfolio with Market Connections and Government Business Council. Al Hempen, uh, former government leader who founded the Atlas, our new data and insights platform for state and local government. Uh, there's so many I can't name, but through uh, our nine acquisitions over the past year, we've been able to maintain more than 95% of the personnel and have grown from a 70-person company to over 250 employees. Wow. Second, um, I would say, would be the depth and breadth in our capabilities. Uh, For over 50 years, we've been offering award-winning information platforms that deliver news, data and insights and analysis that connect decision-makers across federal defense and state and local markets from podcasts to live streaming to innovative events and digital platforms. We are innovating and developing the newest information and and service delivery solutions to connect our audiences together. Um, And then lastly, say our biggest differentiation is our scale. Uh, No one else in this market uh, can reach more than 3 million unique decision makers and influencers across the public sector uh, each month and, and we could talk more about that audience but i'd say like those are those are three that immediately um yeah,
1: yeah it, it james really uh covered it there i would just emphasize the the audience point a little bit more and it, as james mentioned we've got a lot more than uh than publications in the mix right now mm-hmm. the, the data services and the market analysis that gov can do is um, you know is really unique in the market, I think. Uh, but when you look at, at our brands, which are the, the publications that are maybe sometimes the best known components of, of GovExec, we really have the public sector waterfront covered now uh, in defense, uh, federal, state, and local. But even uh, more specifically than that, you start looking in defense, for example, and defense one is covering the, you know, the, the thought leaders and the influencers in, in the national security community. And you have defense systems that is getting really down into the nuts and bolts of, of IT management and C4ISR uh, work and what DIS is doing this week. Um, on the state and local level, you have Route 50 that's Reaching the mayors and city managers and um, and policymakers and and business leaders, and then you have GCN that's that's getting the the CIOs and CTOs and um, and down to the system admin level. And when you look at federal and gov exe- government executive, uh, NextGov and FCW, I mean we really have um, everyone who's involved in making the decisions, not only in technology but just in the larger business management of government and um and so i feel like we're covering the market for all of those readers very well and in turn we can then connect those readers to our um to our sponsors and other partners
0: that's amazing first of all like congrats on that growth that's huge growth and through those acquisitions and then thanks troy for answering the question about the audiences and how you really do cover that entire range of the audience's um that you guys are, you know, supplying information for. I think that's really, really cool and really a differentiator. I mean, it's so important to be able to evolve with the times and not just be, you know, a publication that like people read or one niche of people read, and to really give other services and evolve with the times. I think that's a huge differentiator. So, how do you, you know, Troy? You mentioned that one of your roles is making sure all the different. Um, all the different brands are aligned, and you mentioned the audiences. But what do you do from that perspective to make sure that um, you know each publication is is aligned and covering the right things, but not overlapping? Can you talk talk a little about that?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's still a work in progress. I'll be honest. It's uh, you know we're uh, only three and a half months in, and and we just. Uh, in mid-December got um, all of the publications onto the same content management system so that we can uh, collaborate more effectively there. Um, You know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say that it's simple, but a huge amount of it just comes down to good internal newsroom communication Uh, because the overlap isn't as substantial as as people might think. And frankly, as some of us thought um, coming in, when you really look at the stated missions of the publications and and the type of coverage that they've done um it's it, it complements uh, the publications complement each other pretty well like right out of the gate mm-hmm. um, we recently uh named heather coldell as the editor-in-chief for gov exec uh, um, for all of the GovExec publications so she's sort of the group editor to help support the um, the leaders of each publication. And Heather Bennett, uh, been with GovExec and NextGov for um, for quite a while, but she also worked at Sightline Media. She worked at FCW and GCN once upon a time, so she knows all of these. And so she is really playing that, um, you know, that air traffic control and coach role yeah. to, um, uh, to, to make sure that people are are talking together. But it's, there's a fair amount of content sharing, but there's a lot of talking on a day-to-day basis of, hey, we've got this story coming um, so that publication B can look for a complimentary story for that. Uh, and that we don't, we don't waste time sending three reporters from three publications to cover the exact same thing. And that doesn't mean you're not gonna see stories about big government IT issues on multiple publications. You absolutely will. But if we're writing for our audiences the way we should, uh, you know the story on government, government executive is going to be very different and take a sort of senior government-wide management frame, whereas NextGov is going to be about, all right, what is the real emerging tech there and how is that going to change the game? And FCW probably drills in on the, the acquisition side of it or the IT management and workforce angles that come with it. And so hopefully when we look up at the end of a week and we've been covering a, a big story, we uh, almost by default, have a package of of complementary articles that um, that people can look to to really take a 360 degree view of the issue.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, we actually um we had Heather on the podcast back in April, and she's she's fantastic mm-hmm. and super smart. So it's great that you have her kind of leading that charge too on your team. Um, so how have you seen government technology evolve over the years? I guess each from each of your perspectives. I know Troy, you were on the podcast in 2018, talking about um, modernization and transformation and machine learning. I know we're still talking about those things. <laughs> so I'd love to hear both of your perspectives on how government technology has evolved, kind of what we're seeing, what we're expecting to see maybe in 2022 as well.
1: Sure. James, you want to take the first step?
2: Yeah, I'm happy to. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you are closer to it from an editorial perspective and from the uh, end customer. But I mean, I would say from a macro level, technology uh, is becoming uh, the underpinning of all government operations. Uh, Technology truly is an enabler of uh, government mission, uh, whether you're looking at it from a cybersecurity and protecting government networks and systems and data, uh, or you're looking at how agencies are leveraging automation now to move uh, mission owners and, and operators out to more high value uh, job functions and responsibility and execution to how, you know, we've seen it cloud. I mean, it, Troy was on in 2018. Cloud first started in 2009. So mm-hmm. more than... How many years ago? You know, 13, 14 years ago. uh, And we are still agencies. There was actually a report that NextGov published uh, last year where only 3% of defense systems were in the cloud. Obviously, there's there's security reasons behind that as well. uh, But also only 11% of federal agency systems were in the cloud. So it's a continuously evolving uh, capability. Uh, and I think that, you know, if you look at technology in particular, uh, it, it truly is an enabler uh, and you'll, you'll see, I think, more investments, uh, even though, you know, budgets have remained relatively, the IT budgets remain, you know, relatively flat over the last couple of years. You're still seeing small percentage of, of growth from, you know, $81 billion to $82 billion, uh, and I think you'll continuously see investments in those things that allow uh, agencies to have more capability, deliver the, you know, service to citizens faster and in in a digital environment as the digital economy continues to change. So, I mean, I don't know if there is, you know, there's new technologies that continue to evolve and grow from AI to ML to the use of cloud. Uh, but I think the importance of technology to do that uh, ha- has has changed, um, and that again is more of you know kind of a, a macro uh, view of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> James hit the the important point there that there's specific technologies, and right now you see um, you know so much focus uh, um, out of necessity on security and the push for zero trust in government, uh, and then. Uh, you know, AI and machine learning and automation have s- seemed to have hit a tipping point where they're no longer kind of the experimental projects, but really being woven into government business functions. And there are, um, there are others. Cloud is by no means done, but it's less the, the individual technology than the challenges of how to manage them, how to buy them, how to make sure they're kind of properly deployed to, you know, to make missions, uh, it, you know, to, to better execute against mission goals. And so, um, you know, there's a cliche that comes up all the time about, oh, it's people, process, and technology in that order of importance. But I feel like our coverage touches on that too. That, um, you know, good management of government and and IT modernization, IT transformation are really inseparable. You know, you have to you have to have one to be able to do the other. And um, uh, and so, in some ways, the the stories we write now are are and the issues we covered our events and the issues we dive into on, on our research projects are the same as what you would have seen in one of those print publications uh, that, that we've evolved from uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's just slightly different technologies in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I actually think that's a, a good thing. When I think about the role of government IT, I go back to that um, uh, that David Foster Wallace commencement speech that's, uh, you know, about fish being asked, how's the water? And one of them was like, what the heck is water? And, you know, when, when all these publications started, IT was a thing. And the IT staff did it off in a corner and other people didn't want to think about it. Technology is now woven into every part of government. It is the, you know, it's the water that we swim in. And, um, and that changes how we approach it um, with our, our reporting and our research but it makes, frankly, for a much more interesting uh, um, interesting world for GovXec to operate in.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too. Like, the, the market is so um, saturated right now. Technology vendors, cybersecurity vendors, people trying to have solutions for these problems that are happening. Um, I guess, what is, from your perspective, like, what advice do you give to, to vendors in such a noisy, crowded space to differentiate themselves? And then when it comes to... Potentially being covered, you know, in in the publications, um, how, how they differentiate themselves.
1: I'm going to jump in first because I think James is going to take all the good answers on this one. <laughs> uh, but I mean, uh, my one bit of advice is focus on the mission and the customers' problem set. You know, take talk about how your tool could solve a problem. Don't talk about your tool as the as the end goal. Mm-hmm.
0: Good answer, James. What
2: do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean. It- it's interesting that literally I was at an industry event uh, at a, sitting at a table with a recent former CIO and I uh, just had the opportunity and had to ask like, you know it, there's to your point, Christine, there's just so many vendors uh, and there's so many technologies because there's a lot of innovation happening in space and more new and new companies are coming into the market. The public sector is the, you know, government is the largest buyer of goods and services in the world, the federal government. So why not, you know, get into that market? And so I, I had to ask like, you know, what advice would you give to a vendor if they were coming in and, and wanted to talk to you about, you know, essentially me you know, partnering? partnering. Uh, and he said so many companies, even still today, you uh, lead in with who their company is and what they sell versus how they're going to solve my challenge. And he's like, if a company has to spend more than five minutes explaining what they do, I'm already on to the next one. Uh, So I think, you know, at the highest, you know, point for companies know the customer and know the challenge and approach it in that way. And it's just, it amazes me how many companies still kind of struggle with that just from a, from a strategic perspective, but, you know, if you look at the past 18 months, the marketing and the entire sales process, you know, really has gone virtual. We are starting to move back uh, to, you know, some in-person engagements, but there's a massive land grab for attention that requires higher standards among audiences for digital experiences. I mean, your content has to work much harder today uh, than it used to, and it needs to be personalized to the individual to resonate and stick. Uh, and a few keys to success are develop versatile content with multiple applications, bridging the gap from one touch point to the next. Uh, episodic content that tells a story across a series and uses new formats like video and audio do stand out. Um, and it, so it's it's not, it, you have to find people in there buying cycle um, in that customer journey. And there are different platforms, or different messages to talk to those people. I mean, Troy had mentioned earlier about, you know, if you look at our, uh, if you look at our audience and how we approach it, we're not just trying to reach like the CIO. I mean, you need to reach policymakers on the hill. You need to make that are, you know, driving fatara and driving executive orders. You need to look at um you know agency leadership from us from a secretary level. You need to look at tech managers and and that's not just CIOs. Those are individuals that are actually developing and deploying technology to end users. You need to look at line of business owners and and program managers and and who have budgets uh, and are creating requirements to you know the acquisition and, and procurement and finance people who manage and distribute the budget to human cat, like all of those people are on different phases of their own buying journey, and you need to leverage multiple touch points and smaller, more chunkable, you know, content and messaging that's important to their job uh, to help them solve their specific job need um, in this attention economy. It And it, it requires a commitment and investment by companies. You can't just jump into the market, and then jump out of the market. Like, if you're going to be operating in the public sector space, you have to commit to it, and you have to invest in
1: it.
0: And then thanks for sharing that. That's fantastic insight that I think everyone can benefit from as we uh, navigate the crazy market. Um, and then, let's see, I know we're, we're recording this, with just over a week left of uh, 2021, but from each of your perspectives, what has been one of the most memorable or, Important or even highly trafficked stories of
2: 2021. Troy, I'm gonna. I I have one, but I'll let you go first, or I could go first.
1: Well, let me throw out uh, um, uh, two, Uh, and one is is more a a rolling story rather than one particular scoop that we had, Um, but it was just the um, uh, the. The way that agencies um, adapted to to going all virtual, and I mean there was the scramble last year, but it's a story that really you know continued to evolve um, all through twenty twenty one as they um, you know as they put the tools in place, they put the processes in place to um, uh, to do things virtually. That if you had asked anyone in January of twenty twenty, they would have said it was impossible for government to function that way, you know. And I look to um, you know, to DOD's uh, um, uh, collaboration tools that they spun up on, on really short notice and now have, you know, moved to the next iterations of them as is maybe the, the biggest example. But I think all of our publications sort of covered that from the different angles that I was talking mm-hmm. about earlier in a way that, that really helped. And I think when we look back in five, 10 years, that's going to be the thing that that COVID sort of fundamentally and permanently changed about how government mm-hmm. operates, um, mm-hmm. and so that's that's the bigger picture. And then uh, you know I would actually call attention to a to a scoop that Defense One had um, uh, just yesterday, uh, you know, right before we recorded this, about research that uh, that the Army has been doing and um and developing a new uh you know a new vaccine that will sort of looks promising to cover multiple variants of of covid and you know it's an example of while sometimes we feel like we're down in the weeds of our um, of our niche the things that government does are truly transformative and uh and impacting you know people not just in government but all across the country and all around the world and um you know it's It's a nice story to see as we're sort of dealing with with the Omicron variant, Um, but it's just a nice reminder of how important the market is that we cover. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that's number one. I 100% agree. And I think you're going to continue to see that story evolve in in 2022 as agencies figure out what their new hybrid work environment is from a a collaboration and, and IT tool set to you know, telework policies and and what's important for government managers to know and the kind of rules of the road. Uh, So I I definitely say that's the biggest. Um, I would also, uh, another one that I was thinking, two others that I was thinking about uh, is certainly around DEI. Um, I think, you know, government executive has, uh, and, you know, even uh, really all of our publications, but you know, looking at the government's ability to reach and serve diverse audiences and provide services to folks that don't have access to services. And that's everything from a policy to a workforce to a a technology. Again, going back to Troy's cliche about people, process, and technology, that's an area that uh, government uh, certainly, this administration will continue to put some emphasis around, uh, and you'll see investments and, and changes mm-hmm. um, in, in order to achieve those those goals. The other one about a very specific story is around the DoD's cloud efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, Jedi was a huge yeah. story, the story um, certainly that you know that NextGov uh, Defense One Defense Systems FCW kind of covered in 2020 but that continues to evolve uh, in terms of the competition uh, around the DOD's cloud investments and the different clouds and, and whether it's general purpose, whether it's JWCC, uh, I think that's a very specific story that will continue to, to evolve.
0: Mm-hmm. I had a sneaky suspicion that one would come up. <laughs> such, a, such a big, a big story.
2: Um, and then James, what are some things that are on the horizon for GovExec in 2022? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, as Troy, and we're continuing to integrate all of our acquisitions, which includes operationally systems, our platforms, with more acquisitions uh, in the roadmap. Uh, <clears throat> we are dedicated to providing data and insights and inform our audience information platforms that connect our audience uh, and customers and innovative marketing services that activate and engage our audience. You'll continue um, to see us build on those efforts. Uh, In terms of new platforms, we have invested in and seen significant growth in on-demand live streaming Mm -hmm. content, uh, new digital economy, think Netflix for government, Um, storytelling built on TV quality production that's delivered uh, with high bandwidth digital platforms that's targeted to users' specific content needs and, and wants, and uh, that's GovExec TV, and we see some some real growth potential uh, there. Also, uh, when you think about the entire marketing, sales, and capture strategy, uh, that's evolving really around intent data. Um, and given the scale of our audience and targeting capabilities, we want to be able to deliver our clients data that informs future decision-making influence. And so uh, you'll see in the not-too-distant future, an example, a high-level example of that would be able to provide uh, a user and agency profile that illustrates what content they're reading Uh, events they are extending our uh, GovTribe platform, uh, macro trends impacting agencies. So companies will really be able to build future strategy targeted at those uh, agencies and those personas.
0: Great, no, thanks for sharing that. We'll look forward to seeing some of that. And then just kind of the last question, a little bit on a on a lighter note. What is that something maybe that listeners wouldn't know about each of you? It's something that you like to do outside outside of work? Troy, do you want to start?
1: (laughs) Do outside of work? Uh, um, Well, over the last work all the time. Yeah, they're, they're the last three months as we've done the transition of the public sector group and and a few of the other acquisitions that um, that happened this summer, <laughs> it feels like there hasn't been much. So I think James and I are both looking forward to a, a little bit of a holiday breather. Um, but uh, but when we can, uh, you know, I like to get out, uh, like to get outside and hike. I didn't do as much of that as I wanted to this year, but uh, trying. And then uh, for me, music is, uh, you know, is the fun part. And uh, so playing a dad band and uh, you know and try and uh, try and do that whenever I can.
0: Love that.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I do not have those uh, skill sets. Most of my. Uh, time uh, outside of work but that i absolutely enjoy and adore is uh, my four-year-old daughter she keeps me extremely busy um, with ballet and just (laughs) uh, full of so whenever i have time i try and spend it with her uh, and i'm also a big fan of uh, television downtime Mm -hmm. i know uh, it's uh, the mind numbing, but uh, Yellowstone on Sunday night is my special place that I like to go to.
0: (laughs) Love that. Now we all need that downtime for sure. Wow. Well, um, thank you so much, Troy and James. This has been a really insightful conversation. I appreciate you both coming on the show today to share more about GovExec and your backgrounds and where things are headed next year. So really appreciate it. Thank you both.
2: Thanks, Christine. Yeah, thank you, Christine.
0: Yeah. For everyone listening, this has been Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Minds Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.